Hey, Michigan, let's talk golf. Here's Mike Sullivan, the most inconsistent golfer ever. In your life have you seen anything like that? And Kyle Bogey, wait, how can a guy with that name host a golf show? We'll never know. Better than most. It's the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Powered by our presenting partner, Hall Financial. A packed house for this week's Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast, of course, presented by our wonderful friends over at Hall Financial. Uh, Bogey, of course, here with you. We got Sully, uh, who had a great weekend in Florida. I I know is back uh, and happy to be back uh, in the saddle. And we have uh, three gentlemen with us who I I think, Mike, it's fair to say that they are all as obsessed with golf, if not more, than we actually are, right? Is that, is that a fair thing to say, Mike? If that's even possible, yeah. No, I, I think it's <laughs> – this is – if you're, a, you're just a golf fan and, and certainly, you know, a, an MDG member who has enjoyed listening to this podcast and always enjoys talking about golf and things like that, I think it's a discussion that, number one, everyone can relate to. Uh, and number two, you know, a discussion that I think you'll find is going to be a lot of fun and certainly have some laughs and just really uh, – a nice conversation to have with, as you said, Kyle, people who love golf. So uh, I want to start with uh, our friend and someone that we've certainly gotten closer to over the last several months. And you may have heard him on a podcast that I do with him, the rising champions podcast, which you can download on Spotify uh, and Apple as well as a part of the champion mindset group. And that's Dr. Jason Novetsky. Doc, uh, a pleasure to have you on the Metro Detroit Golfers podcast. And we appreciate you uh, making this connection before we get to uh, our, our other guests of honor. Well, Kyle, I'm happy to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this for a long time since we made these connections, and I think this is going to be a real benefit to the MDG community. Fantastic. Well, without further ado, we might as well just bring uh, these two gentlemen in as well. And you may have heard them already. You may have seen them now as uh, they're doing some video as well. Uh, The Chasing Scratch uh, podcast, guys. we got Eli and Mike in the house here on the Metro Detroit Golfers podcast. Uh, Guys, Welcome. We, we appreciate you guys joining us and certainly any opportunity we can get to just simply talk golf. We're, we're going to take advantage. Sounds great. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us guys. Yeah. So, so Eli, I, I guess we can kind of start with you here because <laughs> I, I mean, I think the title speaks for itself. Um, you know, chasing scratch as I think we all are trying to just continue to get better as golfers, whether it's trying to break 190, 80, 70, whatever it might be, uh, wherever you're at in your skill set when it pertains to the game of golf. But do you, what is your story? You know, I guess, how did this kind of come to be? Where did it come from? And, you know, what has the journey been, I guess, getting it to where it is today? You're now in what season three, I believe of the chasing scratch podcast. Yeah, we're, we, we just wrapped up season three. We're heading into season four. Um, you know, the story goes back uh, to, honestly, to college 20 years ago. Mike and I, uh, we went to the same college in North Carolina and got to know each other through uh, a, com- a couple of really uncomfortable college courses that everyone took seriously, and Mike and I kind of made a mockery of. And uh, there was a connection immediately. And, uh, you know, from that point, uh, we, we lived next door to each other for about two years and just kind of realized that both of us were psychotic golf fans. And so the moment we graduated college, we, you know, for the next 15 years or so, we took golf trips every year. He's in North Carolina, I'm in Kentucky. And so our golf trips were how we, we were able to, to get to see each other. And, you know, we learned to, to masquerade couples trips as we got married to, to look like uh, – or golf trips to look like couples trips. 
But, um, <laughs> you know, after, after about 15 years of doing what I'm sure most of your, your listeners do, you look forward to these trips all year long mm-hmm. and you, you obsess over them, you plan them. You're so excited. You get together and then about three holes in, you hate your life. And you're ready to put your clubs on Craigslist and you're ready to quit. And so uh, after a couple of years of this, we finally said, this is ridiculous. Like we're, we're tired of playing like this every golf trip. And so, you know, we kind of just said, Hey, look, we can't, you know, we don't want to violate commitments we have to our real jobs, to our families, uh, to our spouses. But if we actually put some time into this and some targeted practice and whatever resources we could come across, you know, the idea originally started off as could we get to scratch in a year? And at the time, we were both about uh, 11, 11 and a half handicaps. And uh, again, I mentioned we're starting season four, so I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but we did not get there in 12 months. <laughs> um, we, we, we made some improvements, but, uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've, been, we've managed to get that handicap down. We've learned a heck of a lot along the way. And, um, you know, I, I think that the, the show we've created, we look, we look a lot like every single normal amateur golfer, uh, on the planet, uh, a lot more like that than we do any pro. So that's, I think it's, um, that's a really interesting point too, because one of the reasons why we started MDG was because of that exact, almost, you know, that exact thing you just said, where one of our first mottos was that group chat for Michigan golfers. And and I, I think that you're so right, Eli, where every single person throughout the year is always texting about the group, uh, texting the group about the golf trip and, and already planning every single round out and stuff like that. So um, I think it's a, just a fantastic concept that you guys came up with and, and a very relatable one uh, to, to everyone out there who is just trying to get better at golf. And I think we all realize one thing that as much as you practice, it's still, pretty damn tough to get really good at golf. So yeah. Now, one thing I would just jump in and say too is, um, you know, kind of a similar position with you. I think Kyle, both you and I were around the same. You might've been a little better than me um, last year, but we were both, you know, kind of similar in terms of around that, that 11 index as well. And from what I've heard, I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this, Eli and Mike. Um, A lot of people think that it really is, not necessarily easy by any means, but if you want to go from an 11 to a nine or 11 to an eight, you know, it can be done. But what I've heard from a lot of scratch golfers and really good golfers that the toughest thing to do is when you're going from a four to a two or a two to a zero, and it just keeps getting tougher and tougher and tougher. You have to practice shots that you'd only hit once every five rounds. Do you think that's at least kind of an accurate way to describe it? Just almost keeps getting tougher to to lower it even more, Mike? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think, um, and I think that's why we're worried about our season four content because, uh, we, we got down, uh, those, you know, the first year, um, I mean, it was, we started 11s. We, we both, you know, just started chipping away and we got down to what sixes Eli. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that was, you know, learn how not to be an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, right. imp- improving some short game things. Um, and you know, just, just getting, just, just, just committing to trying to get better at something. And, and th- those, those strokes were, I, w- I don't want to say easy, like you said, but they were, but they were, right. we, we got there pretty fast. Um, now since then we got down, I think we got, we got both got down to a 3.1 at one point. 
but now we're both back up around the five, six. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's been, so yeah, that, that's been, that's been tough. And, and if, if we were to tell you our secret worry, our secret worry is that we're as good as we can get. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we, we don't believe that, but in the back traces of our minds, uh, that's, that's there. Like Dr. J, Dr. J just cursed us when you said that. He said you <laughs> limited, he just said you just we, limited yeah, mentally where you can go. He's furious at you. We, right we wonder, we wonder if we've maxed out, but then Dr. J just comes in and says, you know, he, he, he replaces those thoughts with good thoughts. So that's what we try to think about. Well, we'll see. That's a perfect transition. And doc, I want to bring you in on, on this. I'm, I'm actually down uh, in Naples right now for the week and, you know, working remotely, obviously, you know, doing this and our, our of course our marketing business as well. Uh, but I'm playing golf down here. So like you guys said, I can appreciate you turn a little family vacation into a little bit of a golf trip as well and played eight, eight rounds this week so um Ooh, i was man. playing eight? oh it's oh it's great yeah my back's <laughs> killing me i got an ice pack on um but we I, need I to take playing. notes from you on how to do this <laughs> i was playing uh naples lakes country club which is where we're staying uh earlier this morning and uh doc of course dr jason avetsky with us here uh from the rising champions podcast and champion mindset group i was one under through seven this Ooh. morning to start first round of the year and I, I thought about it, Doc. I, there you I go. Going, oh, man. Here we go. Yeah, I'm going to finish 100 through 9. I mean, this is great. I got a chance. <laughs> Mid-70s, 75 incoming. I'm texting my buddies in the golf group. And uh, sure enough, double-double bogey. And uh, the, the, the wheels came off, and I ended up with an 81. So, uh, Doc, I know this is right in your wheelhouse. I, I clearly made some uh, mental errors there. <laughs> Yeah, you slip right into what we always call the mental traps. I mean, you started thinking way ahead and counting your numbers before they were hatched. And, you know, we've talked over and over on our show, and I've talked with these guys about the importance of staying in the present and being taking this game one shot at a time, because otherwise what happens is exactly what happened to you. And as these guys would say, duck hook, rope hook, whatever it is, and uh, <laughs> next thing you know, you're shooting an 81 instead of one under. Well, we, Doc, we, call so that, we call that cartography. It's just the art of mapping. Uh, <laughs> when, you just start to, when you start to map out your course with about five holes left, it's, it's the kiss of death. It's like, what are you oh, doing? Yeah. But, but we I all like do that. it. I'm going to steal so, that, Eli. Doc, you have, you have such wise words, okay, for how to handle yourself on a course. But, but I've played with you, okay? You're yes, obviously yes, a member out at Red Run Golf Club as well. I've seen you get frustrated on the course as well. So how do you go about policing yourself – I know you're a great policer of everyone else, but how do you go about policing yourself? <laughs> well, I do the best I can like we all do. You, you never see me get overly frustrated, though. Let's be honest. I, no. I've, never thrown a, I've never thrown a club. Uh, I don't swear out loud. Uh, certainly, I think it's, uh, it's important to understand that you can get angry and disappointed, but you can't get negative. And I think that's a big distinction right there for every golfer and every athlete and every person. You know, it's okay to get upset or disappointed or angry and frustrated. But when you start turning those words negative and start, you know, deprecating yourself right there on the course in front of everybody and in your mind and calling yourself names, that's just a slippery slope that's not going to fix itself. I would ask you, Eli and Mike, you know, kind of building off that, how much in your guys' quest for, you know, becoming a scratch golfer, how much was a split? I, you don't have to necessarily give me 60-40 or 70-30, but, but how much focus did you really place on both of those two very, very important areas, meaning improving the swing or improving the course management, the, the golf, true physical side of things versus 
um, you know, talking to Doc and getting great advice about about the mental game and the psychology? How how much time has been spent in both of those different areas? Is this a setup question? I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm going to give an answer and then Doctor J is just going to scold us. Um, no, I, I I think for the first season it was almost a hundred percent to zero. I don't think we thought about the me- mental aspect of it all. And we were just, well, I think we thought about it, but then we, we, we were doing weird stuff. Like we were staring at candles for five minutes. Uh, we were just anything we found on Twitter that sounded like it would relax you or something we were doing. Um, but we were very, I want to say we were very vanity focused on what our swings looked like. And mm. we thought we had to get into these perfect positions and, um, that that was the key way we were going to improve, and then we, we met a few people on our on our journeys in in, in season two. Uh, we talked to, with Adam Young. He kind of talked to us a little bit about, you know, that's not really how you want to get better. Um, and then and then you know eventually we, we talked to talked to Dr. J. And you know what he's what he's been able to. I still don't think we do it enough. We don't give it enough uh, enough credit. But the, the visualization thing is key, uh, at, least, at least it has been for me, especially there, there was a thing I learned last year around preparing yourself for when, preparing yourself when things don't go bad. And, and Dr. J always would, always would tell us, think about, a situ- think about getting out of a tough situation. Don't, don't, don't visualize around where everything goes perfectly. Visualize yourself hook, duck hooking one in the trees and recovering well and making par. Mm-hmm. Um, that's realistic. That's very realistic. Um, so, so yeah, so I, that, that's what I'll say. Eli, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. I think the biggest thing for me, the biggest realization I had was around, and, I, and somebody referenced it earlier, but the phrase don't. And, you know, Dr. J said, you know, the, I think it was one of the first conversations we had with you. You said, hey, your mind doesn't really process the word don't. Right. You know, you, and, and I, you know, Mike and I kind of said, that's like 95% of the uh, verbiage that we use around our strategy around the golf course. It's like, Hey, don't go left. Don't go right. Don't go in the water. Don't go here. Don't do that. Don't pitch here. Don't putt that way. And so, you know, he and I've talked about it just even off, you know, offline about how we, it's just, you have to completely change the way you think and the way you approach the course and, 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 you know, just Mike mentioned it earlier. I mean, you know, there's just been so many dumb things we've realized along the way that we do mentally that just puts ourselves, it's beyond swing technique. Right. It, it, you just mentally position yourself to have an unfavorable outcome. And one thing, so, <laughs> one thing I re- we were like, got into last year was Eli needs to be less humble. Eli's a humble person. And when he hits a great <laughs> shot, he will, he will make this face. Go ahead and make the face, Eli. Make, go ahead. Yeah, he does this face like, oh, the, the, I got lucky there, or or you know, he'll just it, and and so, Doctor J, with your blessing, I now yell at him. I say, stop it! You, you yeah. take credit for that shot. Be cocky. That's yeah, right. Oh, now, um, now, now, I walk around the house like a king. I tell my family, I'm like, I'm the I'm the greatest, and everyone will respect me because humility's out the door now. So is that why you got a nasty email from your household? <laughs> that was my wife. Yeah, sorry. Right. About that. Well, see, it's funny you say that, Eli, too. It, we have a, a course that's a friend of ours. Um, we know the owners really well in the course down in Ann Arbor. And it's one of the most interesting courses I've probably played because 
there's only two holes on the entire course that are next to each other side by side. What I mean by that is the entire golf course is woven in, you know, inside of a neighborhood and each hole is basically a standalone hole. So there's a ton of houses on the course. And it's what you just said with, with don't, the owners have told us, they said, they said, you wouldn't believe on a weekly basis, how many people we get calling or asking that say, you know, I, I really, I, I, your course looks nice, but I can't play it because there's too many houses and I'm afraid of hitting the house. <laughs> and, and they, and, and I first, you know, Kyle and I were like, Oh, come on. It can't be, you must be exaggerating. They said, no, no, there's like this, this taboo thing in, in golf where there's so many people who literally will refuse to play a course because of that don't word. Like, like you always talk about doc where they tell themselves, don't hit it right into the house. Don't break a window. I don't hear shattered glass. And that definitely does exist. Yeah, well, I, I laugh. Mike and I have covered – we've covered uh, a decent bit. Our competitive record as teammates, it's like 0 and 22. Uh, and these weren't, <laughs> even, these weren't even like close losses. These were just complete routes. And, you know, I was laughing because he and I played – the club I used to be a member of years ago, he came in town and we had a Saturday game, and it was a two-man game, and a bunch of good players in the field. And the first hole, though – is along is along the road and it's the same kind of course you just described i mean there's houses lining you know just off the fairway to the right and then the road to the left which is ob and you know he and i stepped up to the first tee and it was like okay don't hit the house so we'll aim over here but don't hit the road and so we'll aim over there and not one time did we sit and say hey i'm going to hit the ball right center it's going to give me a great angle into the green and i never you just never realize like Dr. J said, your brain doesn't process that. You know, you say, don't go right. It's your brain says, I don't know. I'm looking right now. I'm more than likely to miss right now than I am anywhere else. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a struggle. I mean, I think he and I've, we've, we've definitely improved in that area, but we have 8 billion miles to go. So well, I agree. I think you guys have, have improved. I mean, listening to the episodes after our conversations and, you know, what you're recording and what you're thinking, I, I think you're definitely on the right trajectory. And just because it's a perfect transition, Sully, you bringing up homes and people being afraid to, uh, <laughs> you know, hit a house or something like that. want to make sure that we mention our presenting sponsor, Hall Financial. If you want to not hit a house with a golf ball, but potentially purchase a home, look, interest rates are at an unbelievable low right now, and that's going to continue into 2021. The team over at Hall Financial does an unbelievable job. We've been friends with David Hall himself uh, and his tremendous team actually got my first mortgage through him, ended up refinancing uh, about a year ago right now. And they are going to put you in the best possible position with the best possible rate. And they're going to give you five-star service throughout. Mike, I, I know you're the same way. You went through Hall Financial as well. Yeah, and I would encourage everyone, you know, listen to this, just to go to the website. That's hallmdg.com. They created a, a whole separate website just for Metro Detroit golfers to help you out, whether you're thinking about refinancing or thinking about buying a new home, uh, make sure you at least check it out, fill out the form. It's a completely free conversation. If they can help you, they certainly will. And, and they love helping all Metro Detroit golfers. That's hallmdg.com. And we would encourage you guys. That's the greatest segue I've ever heard. Just do it. Do it just for the segue. <laughs> yeah. That was unbelievable. <laughs> well, e Eli, it's interesting. I knew you guys would like that, first of all. Uh, second of all, you brought up something really interesting there right before we, uh, we, we segued into that. Um, and it's you said your record as a team, you and Mike, 0-22. Is that correct? I don't know if it's 22, but I, we're definitely winless. And, and okay. not just winless, it's dramatic 
dramatic, incredible, mind-boggling failure. <laughs> okay, so that, that's fascinating to me because my, my buddy Kevin um, was one of the guys that got me into the game, and he was way better than me at the time, and I just I kept working, and the competitor in me wanted to try and match him and get near him, and he won't admit it, but I think I've surpassed him a little bit. But um, he and I are golf partners, so our annual golf trip with the guys, we're on the same team. We are together, locked in. We got to go out there and win. But I always struggle with the balance of I, I still want to kick his ass. Like, I, you know, so, you know, there's times where he'll get on me, I'll get on him. We still want to beat each other, but we also have to hone in and be able to beat the other guys that are across from us. Have you found that you guys are better when you just simply are trying to beat one another? You know, I don't – we had a trip, so that's a really interesting question. I think it was last – I think it was season three. But we had we, – we designed a trip, and it was just completely out of the blue because we, we felt like we could make a, a handicap run if we had a two-day trip where we just crammed a ton of golf in. And so we called it the Crusades, and we decided on this trip – every other trip we'd been, it had been a competitive trip where it was a major, there was a prize, and we said, no, 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 this one we're going to be symbiotic partners. We are going to pull for each other. There's no prize at the end. There's no, you know, there's no punishment for the loser. We're, we're going to cheer and pull for each other the whole time. And uh, the reality is it did not affect the outcome in one single way. We, we both <laughs> fell apart completely. And, um, you know, so I – but Mike and I, it's interesting. I think friendships – like I've, I have friends where it's more banter and trash talk than it is anything else. And Mike, Mike and I definitely have some of that. But our friendship has always been, I, I mean, I genuinely pull for him. And, you know, we, we had this, for, for anybody that listens to the show, our first season, we had a major we were setting up at the end of the year. And the major, we, we set it at the start. It was our old college course. And we said, hey, the, the loser of this major, to apply some pressure, the loser of the major has to pay for an entire golf trip for the winner in the next year. And so it was, it was legit stakes. And we said we have to have some pressure. That way when you want to quit and not practice part of the way through the year, there's a real motivation. And we went on this trip and Mike and I, in season one, we'd never, I don't think either of us had ever shot in the 70s uh, at, our, at our college course. And we both played out of our brains. And it ended up going into four holes of sudden death where he hit a bomb on the green. I hit a bomb on the green. And, and I ended up eking out a win, but he, he genuinely was, I mean, he See was happy for me. In there? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I want to remind him of that every chance I get, but the point is, <laughs> but the point is, I mean, it was odd because we were both happy for each other because we both played the round that we'd always wanted to play on that course. And so I don't, there isn't as much of that. I mean, Mike, would you agree? I don't, I don't think there's as much of that trash talk and like I want to kill you when we're out on the course <laughs> I mean but I, I do want to beat you every time yeah. so I, I see what you're saying Kyle um but but to be honest in the past three years we just haven't played that much as a team we played one team competition last year um and th but but, but I, I will tell you there was there were times where you were looking at your front, not like I remember looking at the front nine, and I was like, "Okay, I beat him by two. Even though we're it's 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 completely a team thing. I'm still looking at it. I'm still of course you, know, measuring you are. myself yes. up against. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I completely feel you. Eli's probably just a better person than I am. 
Well, I'm humble. I mean, I'm incredibly humble. We've already established that. So that's probably my humility that's just seeping out into that, that thought. See, Doc, I'd love to hear your opinion on trash talk itself on the golf course. I How love you, it. Because, because I'm sure that you've, you know, whether it's been the, the high school golfers, the collegiate golfers, just the amateur golfers that you've uh, worked with over the years. I mean, if someone is talking to you about, hey, I, I always get trash talk too. I can't deal with it, whatever. I mean, how much do you see trash talk as, as you said, you love it. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think trash talk is always going to be a huge part of golf, especially with friends. Yeah, I think it's certainly more there with friends and, you know, in situations like we're talking about today. But I mean, with the collegiate golfers and the pros, there's not a whole lot of trash talking going on. There might be, um, you know, we don't hear it on the air when we're right. watching on TV, but I'm sure in those practice rounds, there's tons of it. Like we saw with uh, Justin Thomas and Charlie Woods and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think it's okay. I mean, as long as you can back it up. So if you're going to say something, you might want to have a game to back that up. Eli, maybe, maybe that's what we've been missing. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we need to ratchet up our just instigative trash talk against each other. I like that. We'll be we'll become it'll be we'll be like the Rashid Wallace of of, uh, of golf. We'll just we'll guarantee victories. We'll we'll carry around a belt when we win. It'll be great. Well, speaking of speaking of athletes, I was told when Doc and I were talking earlier, and I know obviously I've I've certainly checked out your guys' podcast and all this the, the video work that you guys have done too. But a certain fascination with. Uh, Carl Weathers, I believe. Is that correct? <laughs> Doc, Doc, it was one of those texts Doc sent me just to slip that into conversation and open it up for you guys to see where this goes. Yeah, we can, we can explain that. We can try to explain that. We were yeah, in, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Vegas uh, for the – it was like the fourth episode, I think. Yeah. Um, and we were, <laughs> we were in the parking lot. And we saw a guy walking in that looked dead on Carl Weathers. And we just, we, we thought we, we, we tried to play with him. We did, we, we didn't end up getting paired up with him, but somehow I, I don't really know how Eli, but it just stuck. We just kept talking about Carl Weathers the entire podcast. And now, <laughs> and now it's a thing where, I mean, anytime Carl Weathers is in anything, when Carl Weathers showed up in the Mandalorian, Oh my gosh. That's the, that's the most, that's the most interaction we've gotten from our listeners ever is, Hey guys, I just did. We just got DMs on Twitter. Hey guys, just want to let you know, Carl Weathers with the Mandalorian. Um, wow, we we had we actually had a we had a listener that wrote us. It was the greatest thing ever. He had handwritten a, a letter and sent it to Carl's agent, and had said, "Would I'll do anything to get Carl on this on the show?" We thought we thought that might that might officially seal the deal on the on the temporary restraining order but um but carl but carl has not yet responded i think if he did we'd probably end the show uh because that would that would be the peak but yeah there, there's been a certain obsession there see it reminds you me did you have a you did have a famous person come on that you reference all the time how about Raphael? <laughs> <laughs> gotta tell that, yeah, that story yeah, that was a nickname. We we had uh, I think that was season one too. We if you don't know, we have lots of isms. Um, I had actually walked off the course on the 18th hole of a really bad of a really bad round, and Mike was Mike was just baffled. He said, "Wait a minute, it's the 18th hole. You're in the middle of the fairway and you quit. What was it that was so bad with the round that you couldn't hit the shot into the green and take your putt and go home?" So we said, we've got to come up with a name like this. And Mike, 
I don't know how we even ended up on Palmero. It was the it was a congressional testimony that we we said. I think when you walk off the course on the 18th, you should have to look in somebody's camera or look at your your playing partners and and basically pointed them like Palmero did in the congressional testimony and say, "I never played that round. I did not play that round. It didn't." Yeah. Happen. <laughs> so so anyway, we we ended up one of our one of our listeners did a cameo and paid Palmero to come on and. And basically quote his own ism. I don't think he had a clue what he was doing, which made it even better. Um, um, but it was fantastic. That is great. I love stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I mean, Kyle, I, I think that the one thing you and I uh, can, can seem to have more discussion about than anything on this podcast, speaking of athletes and, and maybe a, a fascination with a certain athlete. Kyle, I think you've been obsessed with talking about Bryson DeChambeau lately, as, as everyone. Um, I mean – who wouldn't be, you know, I, look, I, I have the, uh, the Bryson Puma sweater, uh, in, in my bag right now, my luggage, I'm looking at, okay. I am, I am ready to go. Okay. Anytime you want to talk about Bryson DeChambeau, who had a pretty decent performance. Uh, if you watched the century over the weekend, instead of the what? NFL playoffs, not bad at all. What was he 20 under to start the year? That's not bad. Where do you guys stand on the whole Bryson DeChambeau debate right now? Polarizing love, hate, where you at? Eli, go ahead. <laughs> Eli, why don't, you, why don't you just move your camera and show them what's on your wall over there? Yeah, here. I'll give you a little shot there. A little, little shot of Bryce. <laughs> How cool is that? So this, well, well, so <clears throat> I'm, I don't know that I'm a – he's hard to root for sometimes because he says crazy things like par for me is 67 at Augusta that make you want to strangle a guy. But um, – <laughs> We, I, my game, I, you know, my, the strength of my game is my driver and, and distance. And so, uh, you know, when we, when we really set aside our goals for season four, I said, hey, Bryson's been a complete psychopath as far as swing speed goes. And whether you like him personally or dislike him, you have to respect the way he has disrupted golf. And what he's doing is just a ridiculous feat. I mean, he's swinging the club 140-some miles an hour, you know, his ball speed's over 200 miles an hour. It's crazy. And so, you know, I, I, I told Mike, I said, I think my goal is to become a mini version of Bryson. That's probably where – that's probably the best improvement I can make is swing speed and distance and really try to overpower courses. Now, Mike has taken that to say that I need to start eating, you know, like 9,000 calories a day and you know, 58, <laughs> you know, eggs and 19 protein shakes. But I like, I like him. I think he ticks people off. And he takes a very gentleman game like golf and just adds a little – he just adds a little spice to it. See, I, I couldn't agree more personally, okay? <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating. It's a great point of discussion. And golf does need interesting people. That, that is one of those things that golf is really going to need. But I got to say, if I had a swing – the swing speed in the body of Bryson DeChambeau, Mike, I, I think I can speak for you as well. I, I'd have to go to tricovery massage and flexibility probably every day if not every other day and look tricovery has worked wonders on my shoulder blade on my back we all play a lot of golf okay and tricovery the guys over there jeff kevin have done an unbelievable job i'm hitting every single club literally every club one longer uh, than I used to. I just went and saw Kevin on Friday, uh, and he's been working uh, the pain out in my shoulder blade. But they have a golf-specific package for the Metro Detroit golfer out there, and I know, Sully, you've been in to see Kevin uh, as well. Going this week, actually, on Thursday. Can't wait. And, and you know what? I always like to point back to one of my, 
most fulfilling rounds of the summer when I, I you know, had 10, 15 minute stretch at the Meadowbrook Invitational oh, before and, and shot a 79 tournament play, putting everything out. It was great. You know, so I credit Tricovery for, for really getting me right before that round. So uh, Doc, you can you can really help me out more with the mental side of golf that I need, but I'm telling you from a physical standpoint, try Covery, that's tri-covery.com, <laughs> has you covered with uh, the stretching and the flexibility, of course. I've already locked in a new mortgage interest rate and scheduled an appointment <laughs> for rehab. This is the most professional. I, I feel like the bar is so high. I feel like we need to go back and redo some of our shows. This is unbelievable. These, these transitions, we're taking notes on these transitions. These are unbelievable. <laughs> there, there might be a little experience behind these things, but uh, you, you just brought up the word bar, Eli. Now, I know you weren't saying bar is in a place that you go to drink, but you know what? I got to know where you two stand on drinking as it pertains to the game of golf. Is it a during the round thing? Is it strictly an after the round thing? Heck, is it instead of the range, you do it like Sully and just go get a drink before your round starts instead of getting warmed up? What, what, what is your relationship with drinking and golf? You know, we're, uh, I, would say, I would say the drink is more of an after round thing. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from bourbon country here. So, uh, you know, most people here in central Kentucky, if you have a drink after a round, it's, it's some sort of bourbon. Mm -hmm. Um, but we don't need anything on the course to further, uh, to further propel issues that are there without any sort of substance. Um, so there's nothing on the course. <laughs> if anything, it's after the round. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump in. Cause guys, I, I just want to say how much fun it's been working with you guys and listening to the podcast over the years. Uh, I feel honored that you guys, when, when I reached out to you, that you wanted to work with me and, and do these kind of things. But to me, some of the isms that you guys mentioned, you know, in the references to Seinfeld and music and, and all different kinds of things, where did that stuff come from? <laughs> um, all right. Well, this is, this is hard to explain. Uh, but I, I, I'll just say this in college, Eli and I realized that we had this connection and we were able to, we, we were able to memorize. We had, we had almost the same lines. I don't know Eli, if you'd say that we had the same lines from the same shows memorized. And then also we had the same appreciation for the same bits of pop culture. Um, for instance, yeah, when we were in college, it was still in the VCR VHS days. And I created a Seinfeld where I had, we, I would record this, the four times Seinfeld was on in reruns every day. We had a, we had a list on the wall of all 24 tapes and which episode was on each tape. And then, you know, that's what we would, that's what we would do. Like, you know, in college, you always go to bed at like, you know, our average bedtime was probably like three or 4 a.m. And, you know, when we got bored, it was just, let's pop into Seinfeld and watch it. Um, but the other stuff I can't really explain, Eli. I, 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 don't, I don't know why. I don't know how because there's no one else I can do that with. There's no one else I can say a line and then you know what it's, where it's from. So I, I'm not sure I can explain that very well. Well, I think, yeah, the humor, it was, the, it was like the exact replica humor, which if you like that, if you like that humor, it's fantastic. If you don't, you hate us. Yeah, and we are the most annoying me. people on the planet. But uh, we have an obsessive ability to memorize movie and TV lines. That's, that's one of the, the most frequent questions we get from listeners is, I don't understand. 
you all quoted, you know, 24 different shows off the, you know, off the top of your head. And then, and did you all plan that? It's like, no, we've just been, I mean, that, that's the one thing with Mike and I, when we did this, we said, you're either going to like us or hate us, but you're just going to see us how we are. And as I said, if you cut the mics on our golf trips, it'd still be the same exact dialogue. Uh, it just wouldn't be recorded. So, um, you know, but, but yeah, it's the same humor. It's the same. We, we grew up obsessing over the same movies. I mean, it was just really odd. So I promised my friend, Brian, who's also a member at our red run golf club that I would get you to talk about Rick and, and where that came from. Oh, Cause Rick. we literally, we literally do that on the golf course and we have a playing partner that we play with named Rick and we yell it all the time. And he looks at us like we're crazy. <laughs> all right. So the, the funny part about this is we almost took that out. We oh. almost edited the come on Rick part out because we didn't know if, if anyone would like it, um, which was, which, which, uh, I mean, that of, of all the things that have been shocking, that's to me is the most shocking thing that come on Rick. I mean, there, we've, we've gotten reports of people pulling up to a golf course and just hear a random golf course and just hearing someone say, come on, Rick. And I, I just don't understand yeah. it. Um, but, but I mean, the whole story behind it is there was uh that the Rick is uh, the club fitter that, that I used to go to when I, when I lived in Raleigh and he ended up fitting my whole family. And so we all had these, these drivers that were fit by Rick. And then every time, every time anyone would hit a drive, it was a good, bad or a good drive or a bad drive. You would just either celebrate with come on Rick, like, come on, Rick, right, look, right down the middle, Rick. Or you would blame Rick. You would say, Oh, come on, Rick. Um, you know, you should have fit me better, Rick. Um, so, uh, so, so anyway, I, I still have, as I tell that story, I don't know why it, it, it caught on so much other than it's just fun to say, come on, Rick. I mean, we've said it to Eli and I said it to a few guys that we played with that weren't named Rick and it was still funny. Um, so anyway, my well, other all time, my other all time favorite and, and I'll stop is the reference to Wayne's world when she's driving down the street. And what do you guys say? Hey, Wayne. Hey, Wayne. <laughs> Cause that, that signifies what in the podcast? Your, your round falling apart. You crash. Yes, <laughs> actually, actually what, what Kyle described, uh, what bogey described at the beginning of the round where he was one under through seven and then went right. double, double, double. That's a, Hey Wayne. That's a, hey, Wayne. So you're, you're waving you and then you hit the car. I'm out. Trust me, Wayne was swimming in the pond. Wayne was running through the weeds. Wayne was in the the waste bunkers. He was he was all over the place. Well, you apparently, Kyle, you have that. another seven rounds of golf the next two days. So I'm sure you'll you'll get get back on top of it. Yeah. Tomorrow morning, seven forty six. Thursday, nine thirty. Friday, one p.m. Saturday, nine thirty and one thirty. Sunday, nine thirty and one thirty. Can't wait. Jeez. <laughs> That's man incredible. alive, Carl. That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> well, oh, it's let, the best. Let, let me ask this before we, we wrap up here. I think it's a perfect way to finish. We appreciate you guys coming on again so much. And I promise this is not another segue. Uh, so this is an actual <laughs> question. But um, disappointing. <laughs> I want to I want to go around the room real quick, uh, especially, you know, Doc, Mike, Eli. As cliche as it sounds, I, I want to finish with this question. Someone out there, I uh, encourage all of you guys to check out, you know, Chasing Scratch and, and all the cool stuff you guys are doing. But give me the one from each of you, the number one piece of advice you would literally give someone right now if they're saying, hey, I want to actually chase and try to become a scratch golfer. What's your, your number one thing you'd say? 
I'll jump in on this one. Um, the number one thing I would say is disable your YouTube account. Uh, <laughs> because I can't tell you how many times in season one, I mean, literally, if you went back and pulled our text message records, there would be a tournament on over the weekend. And I would, I would literally, I'd message Mike and say, I think I figured it out. I just, just looking at, <laughs> I was just looking at Rory's swing and he, this position he's in. I've went, I've watched two hours of YouTube video on it. And I think this is the issue. Information and overload. It, it, well, it's, and these guys, the thing you don't understand is these guys, everything they eat, breathe and sleep is, is built around, you know, perfecting the golf swing and, and their, their contact and their game and all this. And, you know, we, we had a really interesting breakthrough moment with Adam Young in season one or two, whenever he came on, but, you know, he made the comment, he said, if I put people in Tiger Woods position at the top of the backswing, they don't know what to do with it from there. And their body might not even be built to, to take that swing from that point. And, you know, Mike and I said, I think whenever we're done with the podcast, we're going to create some kind of accountability software where you can sign up. And the moment you look on YouTube at a golf swing, it just flags a friend and they can disable it. But I, I'm telling you, stay off YouTube. That would be my number one advice. Own your swing. There, there are certain things about your swing that are unique to you, and you don't need to lose them, and you don't need to obsess over a pro swing. Want me to go? I'll go. Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing that golfers can do to shave strokes off their game is when you practice, and I know, Sully, you don't believe in practice, but when you practice, practice with a purpose and practice under pressure. You know, um, you know, once you get loose and you get your swing going, set yourself up in mentally tough situations. Like you're on a, a hole. Like for me at Red Run, it's 13 at Red Run. I, I struggle with that hole. And so I'm always thinking when I practice with my driver that this is, this is where I'm at. And I'm going to hit five or six in a row down the middle, uh, pretending I'm on number 13. Um, or have a bet with a buddy next to you at the range. You know, pick out a target and put some money down or – or dinner or drinks and say, okay, you know, closest to, you know, nine, you know, get 10 shots closest to, and, and the more you practice under pressure with a purpose, uh, the less pressure you're going to feel when it really counts out there on the course. That's great. Mike. Those are two good ones. Uh, I, I, I just to comment or to add something to Eli's YouTube to, to stay off YouTube, but do find a pro that you can trust and, and let that pro be the only thing that you work on. But then the other thing I would say that we've, that we've seen is there's a difference between, uh, you know, in our case, trying to become a, a scratch golfer versus becoming a traveling scratch golfer. Mm -hmm. And I think we didn't really appreciate the importance of, you know, knowing the course that you're playing the our first season we just thought you could go to any course and we could you know you were going to figure that out um so i i'd, I'd say that's critical um if you, if you want to if you want to move your handicap down you can't play a different course every day um uh, because you're you, you don't you don't know the strategy you don't know how to uh you, you don't know how to how to attack and and that's something that uh that, that we've we we both have going into season four that we we hope with uh with with one course or, you know, a main course that we'll, we'll be able to, to kind of move that number a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I would quickly say, uh, you know, two things. I think one, if, you know, you get a mortgage with all financial or refinance, and two, uh, if you go and uh, get a session over at Tricovery Massage and Flexibility, <laughs> two locations, Novi and Royal Oak, by the way. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I would say my biggest piece of advice, and who wants to listen to me because I'm not a scratch golfer, don't be dumb. I mean, that's really all it boils down to. You get voices in your head. Hey, I'm going to hit this miraculous shot. Hey, my driver's really working. Why? I'm time out. Call uh -oh. time out. That is the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. <laughs> Here, what, what, do you always, what do you always do when you step up to the tee when you don't even need it? Come on. What, hit driver? Of course, when you don't of need course. it. Right? Well, you know, I, look, on a short par four, if, if I'm pumping the driver – you know what? I, look, I, I can get it up there and have what a fifty-yard, you know, little uncomfortable flop, wedge shot, flop wedge up there. No, that's, <laughs> please, that's easy. I mean, uh, what could go wrong if I'm if I'm hitting the driver really well? There's no issue there, right? I don't right. need to just hit a five iron out there and be safe. What what does that do? I'm, you see why I struggle to be a, a scratch golfer. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. <it. laughs> All right, well, guys, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Um, this was a great conversation. Honestly, I feel like it could have gone, gone on, uh, you know, all night. and We could have probably inserted a few more uh, great segues in there as well. But um, Eli, Mike, obviously uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, great stuff uh, with the Chasing Scratch podcast. Best of luck, obviously, with season four and your quest, uh, you know, to, to finally get there. And Doc, uh, Obviously, we appreciate you having a, a joining us uh, this evening, and of course, making the connection with uh, with these two fine gentlemen. Yep, it was a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks so for much, guys. guys. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening to the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and keep giving Sully and Bogey a hard time. Powered by our presenting sponsor, Hall Financial, and also Tricovery Massage and Flexibility. 